Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're now locked into the zone with Diamonds and Roses podcast, bringing you one step closer to Pacific Northwest and Southwest Canada baseball news, stories, and history. Proudly fueled by Baseballism, their America's brand, and Devo Bat Company, professional wood grain bats for the love of the game. And now your hosts, Ben and Travis. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Diamonds and Roses podcast. Season 4, episode 6, is coming to you live here this week with our great guest from the Ridgefield Raptors and Cowlitz Black Bears, the GM, our man, Gus Farah. Gus, how's it going? Good, good, Ben. How are you, man? Haven't talked to you for a little bit. It's good getting caught up. It is. It's great getting caught up. I know I got out to a couple of games last year in Ridgefield, looking to get out again this year to another few and go up to Cowlitz this year for the first time. But uh, I uh, love to talk and have a good uh, year in review with you each year and then talk about this upcoming season. So I'd like to do our yearly thing. Let's talk about last year. What went right? What, what didn't go right for well, Ridgefield and Cowlitz? Cowlitz had a great year. Cowlitz was one of the final uh, few teams in a playoff hunt and uh, fell out of that the last week of the season. A lot of pitching, had tremendous amount of pitching and uh, not as much hitting. And they really battled, uh, had Brian Burris uh, on the helm. Brian was a uh, pitcher in the majors, a lot of minor league experience, major leagues, really good temperament. Kids really played hard for him. And, uh, yeah, Longview was excited for it, but uh, they fell out, like I said, about a week before uh, the end of the season. Um, going to Ridgefield, um, you know, we had a, a tremendous year. It was our second full season playing, um, unlike Callitz, who was 13 years old. Um, Ridgefield just absolutely had a potent offense all summer. Uh, and they lack pitching. So if I could put the two together and take Richfield's hitting and Cowlitz's pitching, it would have been pretty darn tough to beat us. Um, Richfield made the playoffs on the very last day of the season. Um, went to Walla Walla for a final series, uh, tied up in the bottom of the eighth or in the top of the eighth, and we scored a couple runs and held them in the ninth. Um, and that was a three-way battle that night between Portland, Ridgefield, 
and bend. So very fortunate. Uh, we went on to play Corvallis in the first round, and that wasn't so pretty. But uh, by that time, we had lost a lot of players that you know had to go home for different reasons, like sometimes they do. And uh, very proud though that you know year two we were able to make the playoffs in Ridgefield. Uh, it's just a great environment out there. The community supports it really well. And, um, you know, we had a COVID year at the beginning of the season. We were still under some restriction and we worked our butts off to get ready for that. And then all of a sudden, you know, June 1st, when we start playing, the state announced that in 30 days, most restrictions were going to be lifted. So I felt like a tug of war when somebody lets go of the rope and you fall backwards. We worked so hard in preparation, but we just uh, ended up having a it was the first really mid-size event in Southwest Washington um, of the size, you know, 1,000 to 2,000. And uh, fans were just so excited to be out and away from this COVID stuff. Um, anyway, that was kind of a look, that's kind of a look back, you know, just had a really good year and trying to build on that. Yeah. So let's talk about Cal. It's, if my understanding is correct, uh, your you you had one coach, and then the coach ended up taking the job for the Boise Hawks and left. So is that correct? And left you scrambling to find another coach last last year? Yeah, I mean, a lot of things happened. You know, a lot of this, um, into a lot of the minor league shifts that were happening last year. Major leagues decided that you know they were going to kind of let some of these teams out on their own because it's a big expense to them. Um, so what happened was that one of the teams that got cut was the uh, Boise team that was a Colorado Rockies uh, minor league team. So they had no baseball going on there for a second. And then they, they decided to uh, enter the um, independent league over in that area, Montana, Idaho, Wyoming. And Gary Van Toll had, uh, he was coming to Cowlitz to coach. Gary is very experienced manager of both minor league and college. And um, all of a sudden, what happened was that Gary got a job in Boise, which is his, his hometown. And can't blame him for that. Close to home with his family and a good opportunity to not have to leave his home for the summer. Um, so I ended up having to find another coach. We found Brian Burris. Brian is a local who, like I said, spent, I think, like 14, 15 years between the minors and the majors. And, uh, you know, good temperament, like I mentioned earlier, and he really built a great culture with the team. Brian said he was only going to do it for a year. He was trying to find his way to see if baseball, managing baseball was what his future was, or if he was just going to get a job at this point and kind of move on with his career. One of his assistants, uh, Aaron Matthews, Oregon State alum, um, minor league baseball player and uh, coach with the Toronto Blue Jays system uh, wanted to take the job uh, recently married has a young little baby and uh, they're living in Virginia and that was the risk that we were taking which is you know he was a long ways from home and uh, we signed him up we were going to have him for this season and he ended up taking something back back east a lot closer to home so, look, these things are always inconvenient, but, you know, we know better than to think that they can't happen. You know, the funny thing is we have this discussion a lot, you know, with a different people that ask me that same exact question. And it feels like a lot of turnover 
um, well, let me finish one thing. So Aaron called, told us he was going to stay home. This was a couple months ago. We ended up signing Alan Embry, uh, 882 major league appearances, World Series winner with the Boston Red Sox first for Boston's first win. Um, so we have a very experienced uh, manager this year. Like I said, 882 professional appearances. You know, he's a Southwest Washington guy, and he'll be uh, commuting up to Longview every night. So we're excited. But just getting back to what I was saying, which is, it seems like there's been a lot of turnover. I think, yes. But when you look at the history of the club, including the including uh, last year with Brian and this year with Allen, it's only the fourth or fifth manager that the team has had in 13 years. Look, it's summer baseball. You know, you don't always get it for long term with people that you hire. And uh, what's important is that our relationships allow us, hopefully, to go and find uh, somebody that can lead us and manage us that we think can be a good citizen in the community, a good mentor to the kids, and um, and build a good culture. You know, we, we like rules. We like we like to play hard. Uh, but we like to follow the rules and, you know, not be trashy about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, We were talking with uh, last week with Jim Swanson. And one of the things that Jim brought up was uh, there's 16 teams now in the West Coast League as expansion has occurred, as opposed to like you brought up with Major League Baseball and contracting minor league baseball and shrinking those teams and creating less of a burden, except you know, there's been growth in the West Coast League. You you must see that as an opportunity to be able to go take your team specifically and go to all these different areas and play ball this summer. Yeah, I think I think there's a I think you're right on the head, but I think there's a couple things that for me, the way I look at it is that it's a it's a growing league, so opportunity is getting better. And you know, you're either the tide's either in or out. And Right now, we're growing. Um, and, you know, we we want to. We don't compete against the other summer leagues in the in the country, but it does matter when you're when you're recruiting players from colleges that you have a stable environment, a growing environment. And, you know, the number of major leaguers that the West Coast League has already produced is really over the top. Um, I know, you know, Richfield doesn't have any yet because they're young, they're new. And these kids will be going through a minor league system at some point. But, you know, uh, let me give you an example in Callitz. Shane Beaver, you know, was a, wasn't a Cy Young pitcher at the time, but he was a California Santa Barbara kid who was really developing his craft. Now he's a Cy Young winner. Um, and that's just one example. I mean, we have uh, hundreds of examples of alumni that have gone on to really de- uh, establish themselves. Jacoby Ellsbury. Um, you know, uh, Mitch Hanniger now, um, James Paxton. I mean, and I'm just picking some off the top of my head, but you know, we'll have, we'll have, I don't know, 60 to 80 drafted some years. So what does expansion mean? It means that there's more opportunity college coaches that, that, that trust us with sending their kids to us to play for us, see a league that is expanding and not shrinking. Because mm-hmm. things around us right now are definitely weird with the way minor leagues made decisions about how to contract. So I, I have a question. I mean, and this is something that's actually been weighing on my mind. And, and 
I hope you haven't lost sleep over it. <laughs> I haven't, but it's been one that I've been thinking of. And I'm sure that there's other West Coast people who follow the West Coast League, other West Coast League fans may be wondering the same thing. Why Edmonton? I mean, Edmonton is is far up in northern Canada and is a little ways away from the West Coast. But you know, why Edmonton? Why 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 did the why add them when they're not really when they're not really on the West Coast League? I think we were looking at the wrong map. Okay. Uh, no. All kidding aside, it is a long ways. But what you're seeing now is you're seeing that Canada is really starting to expand, right? Yep. We have Victoria, which is very established. Victoria brought on another team themselves in Nanaimo on the uh, just 45 minutes across the island from them. Uh, Kelowna's been there now for a number of years, one of the originals. Um, Kamloops, Edmonton. Am I missing any? No, nope, that's it. There's five. Yeah, and I think that'll give us more room to grow. It doesn't mean that we won't be playing each other, but it definitely means that we will be more uh, geography-wise centralizing divisions or uh, the way that we set up each division, each conference by having more people in your territory. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, here, let me tell you about Edmonton. Edmonton, and this is my opinion, I don't, I'm no expert at it in, in Edmonton. Edmonton to me probably will be the league leader in attendance. Um, they have a big stadium. They have a big following with every team that has ever played there, whether it's hockey or baseball. Um, so that's going to be something to watch, but I think Edmonton will bring, uh, you know, a lot of attendance the other thing, though, is Edmonton is a, is a long ways, and we're learning how to schedule mm -hmm. to not make it harder, but to make it possible. Yeah, and the reason why the reason why I asked that was the whole scheduling and traveling aspect with the distance. But from everything that I've seen, is they've been, they've been doing all the right things, social media wise, and I'm sure even behind the scenes wise to get ready and prepared for this upcoming season. So it should be interesting to see. Like you said, from a league, you know, in, in attendance, how does it where does it stand in attendance and how do they do in their inaugural season? It'll be very interesting. And I look forward to uh, talking further with Edmonton. But I just wanted to ask that question because of you being in the, the WCL already and, and, and why Edmonton. But, you know, moving on, you got other new teams like the Drifters in Springfield that you're going yep. to be playing and they're, which is just south of Corvallis from the Corvallis Knights. So that gives you another another team in Southern Oregon to be playing. Um I can I can imagine that you must be elated with the with the expansion. And I know you've already hit on that a little bit. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think Springfield makes a lot of strategical um sense. You know, we have Bend in Central Oregon, we have Corvallis, then we have Portland then we have Ridgefield, then we have Cowlitz. That helps balance that, so that south a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, they're really excited there. They're redoing the stadium there. Um, you know, again, a lot of change in that market. You, you have, you know, a long history with the Cubs and with the Eugene Emeralds. Um, you know, so a lot of history there. But these guys are excited, and they're doing a lot of the right things. Look, it takes a little – I know how it is to put a new team in. 
you know, we did it with Ridgefield. I did it with Ridgefield. And it's not easy the first time around. Your relationships with your colleagues are getting better, but they're not super strong. You're on your own a little bit. Um, you're trying to do all the right things. It takes time to grow. Um, it takes time to prove yourself with the colleges to send you kids that are a little better than the other kids sometimes. Um, you know, but they all have to pay their dues, but I think they're doing a good job. They're nice. They're very quality people and they're trying to, and they're trying to figure it out as fast as they can. I'm not going to give them all the t- tricks and tips yet. Cause I do want to beat them the first year without them knowing what's going on. <laughs> but, but I think ge- uh, geographically it makes a lot of sense for the league. Let's go back to Ridgefield. I know I've been up to a couple of games each year. And every year I see you, the jack of all trades, running around, either grabbing garbage, delivering things to concessions, uh, going and talking and mingling with people, uh, you know, doing things, getting things every, everywhere that it needs to be. Um, how, how do you how do you as an, an individual, how do you prepare yourselves for this grind day in and day out? Well, I'd like to say I drink heavily, but I don't drink anymore. Um, I, I think it, look, I think I can back up and kind of point how I got there and why that, why your question is valid. So I've spent 17 years running radio stations for CBS radio. Then I went to the trailblazers and was the sales manager of the sponsorship department for eight years. Great experience. Um, smart enough to get out of there before they, they cratered now. Um, that's supposed to be funny, Ben. <laughs> um, and I had an opportunity to join an ownership group that, you know, I only have a tiny piece of right now, but that offered me the chance to run my own thing. And I love baseball, grew up with it. You know, I'm Cuban, like I've always told you every time you, we talk. And I grew up with it in my blood, right? My boy mm-hmm. played at a high level. And um, I went there and I got a chance to run that operation. I also got a chance to build it. Um, but there are no prima donnas in the system. That's not what this summer college baseball is about. I find myself when the, when the kitchen gets backed up, I'll be in there cooking. Uh, when the concessions out in the concourses need, uh, restocking, I'm restocking, but that's part of what turns me on to the job because the relationships we build with our fans who are just local community folks from Southwest Washington, the little love affair has happened exactly for why you, what you asked, you know, which was, you know, I don't get to sit up there and just point and point and say, go do this. I just go do it because it's fulfilling and, you know, they need leadership. It's not a place where we hire 37 extra employees in the summer for that park that are local Southwest Washington high schoolers, young adults. And that is really rewarding. But I also have a staff of uh, baseball operations and game day operations with Jason Crone. Jason's been with me since the beginning in 2000 uh, when we launched in 19. Kuule Cialo came to us last year in the spring when things were crazy and she joined us and she pulled off the op- she pulled off being able to run our concessions, run our ticketing and is just continuing to grow. So these are full-time people but we have 37 part-time. We can't expect them to be we have to lead them. We can't expect them to know everything we need them to know. We coach them, we give them a great opportunity to learn, but at the end of the day 
you know, first year we had a kid, I won't give his name up, who first game playing was nervous, really nervous. He's a local kid playing college down in California. And he got a hit, ran around first base, and he got sick to his stomach and he threw up right there by first base. And I was sitting there watching everybody. And I wanted, I was thinking, who is going to get up and pick this up and clean it so we can move on? Nobody moved. So I grabbed my rubber gloves. I grabbed the broom. I grabbed the shovel. I grabbed the cleaner. I went out there and man, did I hear it from the crowd and did I get a lot of guff for it? But that's just an example of, you know, we're not pretentious. This isn't Major League Baseball. The reward is your community. And the reward is that you get to uh, be part of a super growing area in Southwest Washington from, from the river all the way up to the center to Woodland. That is growing like crazy. And they're rewarding us now by coming out to see us regularly. So that's why I do it. It just feels good. Yeah. You know, and I, you, you, in my experiences of having going to games, I think you're probably one of the hardest working GMs I've seen running around a ballpark doing all these things. And that's why I had to ask, like, how do you get this stamina? And I appreciate you answering that. Yeah. Next well, one. and now I spend, you know, I spend almost half my time in in a callus. So mm-hmm. that's just a whole other balancing act that I, you know, Jason and Kule can definitely run that part overall. Mostly they know when they need to contact me if there's a problem, but overall I trust them to run the park and I make sure that I, I, I can be away from there because I got to spend time in callus too. Mm-hmm. So what, one last question for, for Ridgefield, and then I want to move on a little bit on to Khaled's. Um, but so you've been doing this going on your third year in Ridgefield. Are there any traditions that are starting to take shape of things going on at the ballpark that you're seeing um, that you can tell us about? Yeah, a couple. I mean, there's there's some there's some small intricate ones that happen every game, and then there's some bigger ones I'll mention too. I won't bore you too long. You know, a couple things. When we get the seven strikeouts by our team, everybody in the stands gets a taco from Taco Bell. And now, you know, again, little tradition that they're starting to yell taco, taco when it gets close. Those are the kind of things that take some discipline to practice and put them into play and wait till they start organically happening. Um, another one is our partner, Elena. You know, our, our mascot rally, who to me is our number one brand, really. Um the, you know, we take rally out in a, in a four track uh, around the field all the way around in the seventh inning. And we throw out T-shirts from a that they've given us. Fans love it. The kids just all, you know, anchor up next to the couple spaces they know we're going to throw them. So, you know, it's a kid smile out there. Ben means everything. That's mm-hmm. really if you're going to if I'm going to judge myself, you know, it's a it's a it's a cross generational uh, game. It's grandma, grandpa mom dad and the kids that's affordable a fam it's it's affordable family entertainment so the kids and a big smile is just tremendous uh, we're really starting to be able to work also which is important to us in giving back to the community we had uh, last year we did a jersey off your back auction where we had brand new jerseys that adidas partnered with us on and uh, we created them into a theme of cancer 
partnership with Pink Lemonade Project, who support women with breast cancer. We were able to raise $11,000 off of the fans uh, auctioning, silent auction that night. And that's, that makes us feel great. You know, after the game, they go down, get their picture taken with their the kid that they bought the jersey off his back. And, uh, you know, being able to give that money. This year, we're going to have a similar auction for first responders night um, where I was able to get all the police departments in Southwest Washington to give me their patches that they wear on their uniforms. And I'll rotate those on our new jerseys that we're going to auction off. Um, and we'll give all the money to Kindness 911 which uh, is basically a, an organization that uh, promotes good deeds by both uh, first responders and by community members that make a difference. So, you know, those little things are really starting to, um, to take hold. And, um, you know, your Christmas drive of giving to, you know, less fortunate than ourselves and our fans pitch in and give us, you know, winter clothes and toys for kids. And, you know, that's not as big as some of the big, huge ones we know, but it makes a difference around Southwest Washington. So, yeah, I mean, those are some of the traditions. I mean, we, we're still young, you know, the first, uh, we had two seasons going into our third because the one in 2020 got canceled because of COVID and it takes a minute. You can't, you got to organically make some of these traditions. You can't do them and force them because mm -hmm. they'll never take grip. Yeah, no, I, I figured I'd ask because, I, you know, again, like I said, you, you had that one missed year, but you got 2019 and then you got 2021. And so it's like, you know, some of these teams have the like, traditions. And I just wanted to see, like, you, do you see some forming already for Ridgefield? And so I greatly appreciate your answer on that one. Um, let's go up, let's go up north to Longview. Let's talk about let's let's jump in about Cowlitz now. Um, so Cowlitz, like you said earlier, is coming off what you would say a pretty good season um and you know dominated by pitching um you know you're gonna i'm sure focus this year on both having more of a uh a pitching and hitting team so we have good offense and defense uh what what can we what can we as fans expect this year up in cowlitz hopefully a lot of singles a lot of doubles because it's not a big home run hitting park the wind there just like in Ridgefield blows in pretty much mm -hmm. and it's off the river and it's tough. Um, you know, I always joke that that's where batting averages go to die because it's, it's just a tough hitting park, especially with the look of it, which is I can hit a home run here, but the reality is I giggle because I know that it takes really, really good contact to be able to get it out of there. So speed, you know, we like speed. We like, we like making our own runs. It doesn't mean we play small ball, but we definitely like to make our own runs. Um, you know, it's a it's an old traditional park, a lot of heritage and story field where Laura Columbia College plays. Um, so, you know, the community is a definite baseball community up there. And they've uh, they've been with us now 13 years. And, you know, we had a little bit we had a little bit of rebuilding to do up there uh, as far as I think the attention that you have to pay to the community. And I'm just all about that. You know, I, it's a handshake. It's it's uh, integrity. It's looking people in the eye, making sure they know that their investments are safe with us if they're a sponsor, um, making sure that we're going to have, you know, Corby the Bear, uh, which, is, again, is our big brand, just like Rally and Ridgefield. You know, a lot of community events that we visit all year round, especially around the holidays. 
where the where the mascot can really make events pop for the community and kids love it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, those are that's just a little bit. What do you expect of your players as they come in for the summer and, and their involvement with the community? What's your expectation of that? Well, you know, it's funny because of all of both teams, you know, we have we've had a lot of good kids and a lot of that has to be, you know, number one, the relationship you have with a college coach that sends you the kid. And you talk about that. You talk about character. You know, most college coaches don't put up with a bunch of silliness and, you know, they're they got a big investment in these kids in college. So they have some discipline with it. When they get to us, we talk about culture. We talk about um you know, we don't have a lot of rules. They're mostly common sense rules, but I tell them right up front, you know, we've worked our tail off to build a relationship with this community and we are not going to have somebody walk in here and in a short two and a half month period ruin ruin that for us. So we expect decency, respect, um, you know, it's not selfish, hopefully, although kids are kids and, you know, we sometimes, we, every once in a while, we got to discipline them. And, you know, discipline, they know that can mean all the way up to sending them home back to their college coach who isn't going to be real happy if that happens. Um, I just expect a lot of respect. Treat it like it's your home. They're all going to be, we haven't talked about it, but they're all going to live with a host family. And, you know, that host family's opened their doors to them, giving them a bed, giving them some food, giving them some care while they're away from home, maybe for the first time. And um, I expect that these kids are decent enough to really appreciate that and to say thank you. Yeah, you know, host families are a big part of West Coast League baseball. And, you know, they, they, they play a bigger role than, you know, some people think because, you know, they're giving these, these players a roof over their head for the summer. And some of, these, some of these host teams have more than one ball player under their roof. Um, what's what's it like for you in both Cowlitz and Ridgefield right now trying to uh, build a list of host families under the current circumstances? Well, I think they're different in the two places, so I'll touch on each of them quickly. In Cowlitz, they had a very stable group of host families for quite a while. What happens is if you don't add new ones, you're going to lose some of the old ones for a lot of reasons. People move. People get sick, people get older. And so they hadn't, they, they, as it, before I got there two years ago to, to run that team, they hadn't turned that over to any degree. <laughs> and especially added new, new host families. So we went out on that, right? We went out to find new host families. Last year was a little rough. It was this in between, we had to have a lot of discussions about a lot of things. But the leading conversation generally was COVID, which is, are the kids going to be vaccinated? The answer was yes. Um, Are you vaccinated, the host family? What are your expectations about this this COVID thing? So that really put a little bit of tentative um, fear into bringing in new host families. Now, like I mentioned earlier, if you can stare somebody in the eye and have integrity and they believe you and believe in you, then you're going to get that opportunity. So we added some. We've got another. See, we're sitting right now at 29 or 30 beds going into, we're what, 45 days away? I don't know, something like that. So we're sitting at 29, 30 beds already. So we're pretty close there. 
Um, but last year was a mad scramble, but we were able to rebuild it. In Richfield, again, there's this little love affair right now that's new, right? That mm-hmm. uh, we don't have the same issue. We have to keep recruiting because we need a bench in case. We also don't want somebody to have to take three kids, you know, and that can happen. It has happened in Cowlitz because there wasn't a deep enough bench. So Richfield, you just got to keep your, you got to keep the momentum day. And I get all, I'll get emails on the request form to be a host family periodically. And we, we talk to them. We have to match up beds versus kids. And uh, if nothing else, we're building somebody that will take one in the future, right? They get some benefits, season tickets, um, special events we put on for them. Um, you know, so they, they get some opportunity to uh, also get something back because we really appreciate it. They don't have to do it. And it's uh, it's costly if we don't get it right. Mm-hmm. What, is, what is it that you're look when you when you ask them or when somebody comes in and requests, hey, I want to be a host family. What's the expectation of them? Well, I like to take a tour of the home if I can. I want to make sure there's safety there, right? I'm not I'm not the moral judgment of the world, but I'm the I'm the I'm responsible for the kids. And I don't want to put them in a house that is um, you know, dangerous by it could be a lot of reasons. Um, dirty could be a lot of reasons, including too many pets, stuff like that. What I tell them, which is a great question, you that was a softball you threw me. Um, I just it's very simple. When they say, What does it take? Us and I'll tell them, number one. You need to have a bed that you can offer the player. Um, number two, your f- refrigerator needs to be somewhat available, not 100% of the time, but the kid has to be able to eat. They're going to be gone half the time anyway because they're going to be on the road. And during game days, we feed them at the park once. So they've they've already had... Um, they've already had some food because they ate at the park, but we just need a bed and a little bit of the refrigerator. Mm -hmm. And, uh, what, for how, how long are you, how long are you asking them for to to be a host family for, for the season? Well, the kids will come in anywhere. The first game's June 1st. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Like when, when are you, when are, when did these kids come in normally? And, And when, when are you kind of how how long of a time frame? What's the commitment for the time frame? Our season this year will start on June first for both teams. We're going to play each other, in a, in a in a non league, but we always start with together and um, playing each other so that we can get warmed up. Uh, so some kids will start showing up. I don't think any earlier than the twenty seventh, twenty eighth, twenty ninth of May, and our season will be over somewhere around the tenth of August. And they get out of here pretty quick because they, you know, number one, a lot of these kids have been practicing their college baseball since when they went back from their Christmas break and they're tired. They're exhausted emotionally, physically. They haven't seen their family much. And some of them miss their girlfriends, of course, because that's what they think of. But, um, you know, so they're out of here by August 10th. And so what? Uh, 60, 70 days. And yeah. remember, they're on the road half the time anyway. Yeah. What's it going to be like for, you know, you this year as two teams like that? That tra- I want to get back to that travel and the teams to can- in Canada. What's it going to be like for you 
like that travel to and from Canada is do you got does the league have this all worked out right now where they have processes in place working with both governments and what we they need to do what they can't do yeah i mean we number one we follow whatever rules are are put out in front of us by you know each municipality each each government um you've got to be vaccinated if you are going to canada um even if you have a medical or religious exemption um you still can't you got to be vaccinated so um there will be paperwork in preparation before we go over the border. Um, you know, we're working with the ferries now because, you know, our trips into Victoria or Nanaimo um, are going to be through uh, Port Angeles. And, um, you know, some of the trips, I, I, you didn't ask this, but I'm going to talk about it for a second because some of the trips I had to laugh at, you know, Jim Swanson, um, who, runs the uh, Victoria and Nanaimo team, you know, I called him and said, okay, so let me, let me ask you a question about a trip. So Cowlitz is going to um, Victoria, then they're going to Kamloops and then they're coming home. Well, he knows what the heck to tell me of which ferry and where and all that, but man, it's complicated. I mean, the, the added elements of, you know, the added elements of that travel on and off the, the island, Vancouver Island, um, and then, you know, land travel to Kamloops, to Kelowna, air travel to Edmonton. You can't drive. It's just, it would be way too long. So mm -hmm. everybody will probably go up out of Abbotsford, up by Vancouver, and fly into Edmonton. But yeah, very complicated logistics this year of learning this but no uh covid wise we're going to follow the rules we're we got to be prepared make sure our kids you know our kids have to give us certain things when they come here insurance cards um their va their vaccination card uh the contract that they sign with the league and with us about discipline and and you know rules of what they need to follow yeah so anyway we just got we get that all prepared before we uh as the kids start getting here Mm hmm. Um, so for Cowlitz, what what kind of like promotional nights? I mean, you talked about a couple in uh, in Richfield with the the first responders and then your uh, cancer uh, that your cancer stuff that you're doing. What, what can we what can we expect in Richfield or in Cowlitz this year? You know, Cowlitz has always done a lot of nights, but smaller nights. And what I'm trying to you know, what I'm trying to filter through is trying to, yes, have a lot of the fun little nights. The rally towels are great uh, that we'll distribute. Um, you know, uh, we will have big year this year because every other year we bring in a country artist named Court Carpenter. And he'll be here on July 15th this year. That'll be our biggest crowd of the year. Um, probably somewhere between 1,500 and 1,600, 1,700. And he'll play after a game. Uh, the night before, our sponsors will get invited by us to go to a private barbecue restaurant, and he will play acoustically. Um, so that's our biggest night of the year. Fireworks is always big. Uh, this year, we're partnering with Safeway, actually, in both parks. And the Safeway Foundation is going to partner to give a donation Every time a player hits a double, a certain amount will be donated. Um, 
to uh, in Southwest Washington, the Southwest Washington uh, Food Bank, and mm-hmm. in Longview, uh, a, a program called CAP that helps underprivileged families that need food assistance. Um, so that's you know that's going to be exciting. Uh, we'll eventually have more charity work there. Both parks have Sundays kids get in free with a paid adult. That's a big day for us. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, we have a lot of blocking and tackling of the regular stuff. And now this year, we're fortunate with the Court Carpenter Show. Safeways Nourishing Neighborhoods is called the name of their campaign. And we'll be really making nice donation back um, to um, to the community. You know, one thing both parks have is that, you know, I, I we give away tickets to uh, auctions, nonprofits charities that are having auctions or having events that they need to make a little money. We give them in-kind donation all the time. Uh, But we also have a fundraising program where, you know, these groups can help themselves. I don't mind helping, but they can help themselves as well by buying tickets to a specific night. We help them set it up. It's a digital uh, campaign that they can just distribute to their families and they make $5 on every ticket they sell and they keep it. So, you know, we got it. This is all about community. I mean, this isn't winning is fun, but I don't have to win every game. But if we're good citizens and we prove that it's good entertainment for the family, they'll come back. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've seen every time I go to a, a Richfield game, and I hope when I go to Cal, it's the summer, I will experience just that yet again because you know it's it's some good product there. I just. You know, in Ridgefield, just just hope you can get a little bit of better pitching. I think that's been one of your one of your killers the last couple couple seasons for you guys is your your pitching. Uh, but hopefully, I'm we can work, get, 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 get some put together on the mound this year. Yeah, I'm working on it. I might have to give them a pep talk. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Gus, we we appreciate you coming on uh, the podcast, doing a a follow up from last year. And, you know, what we can look forward to in this upcoming season of the West Coast League. As you said, your uh, season kicks off June 1st when Cowlitz takes on Ridgefield. Now, will that game be in Cowlitz this year or will it be in Ridgefield? No, it's in Ridgefield. Um, one of the things that we have in Cowlitz before, right before our season is the NWAC tournament um, for the community colleges in the area. They'll be hosting that. They always have it there. So, no, the game will be in Ridgefield June 1st, 635. And, um, well, thanks, Ben. I mean, I tell you, you've always been a good friend of the team, teams, and uh, I always appreciate your support. And I know we'll see you out there. I know we're working on some stuff together to see what we can do to get the, get the, the, get the show out there live. Uh, during, we love it. You, did, you came out a couple of years ago and did it before the game, and it really went well, giving you access to some of the kids. and. Uh, they're just kids, but they're talented kids. So, and it's fun getting to you know speak to them and uh, just have a good time at the ballpark and and just watching them put on a show because you know they're out there playing their hearts out and it is a show that they put on for the community. Um, so we can find you and the teams at uh, RidgefieldRaptors.com and CowlitzBlackBears.com. Uh, yes, sir. Go go get your tickets. I'm sure that there's tickets available. I'm sure there's still season tickets available, so you can get out there June 1st, Ridgefield. What time's that game at on June 1st? 6:35. 6:35, June 1st at the Rourke. 
You can go see Richfield take on Cowlitz Black Bears. Again, Gus, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. That'll do it for this episode of the Diamonds and Roses podcast. Thank you to our sponsors, Baseballism. You do great, great apparel for the love of the game. Go visit them at baseballism.com. And thank you to our other sponsors, the awesome Devo Bats. Devo Bats make some great quality wood bats. Go check them out at debobats.com. Well, I hope you have a great day wherever you are at. And peace out.